Hello, welcome everybody to Just Talk with Joe Meyer, your host, myself, Joe Meyer. (laughs) Thank you for joining another episode today. Hopefully we have some very interesting things to talk about today and things that would bring you interest. You know, you never know, right? So thank you for being here. And I never take those for granted who listen. And although I've only had a few people that listen to my podcast, hopefully one day I will have thousands, millions. (laughs) That would be amazing, right? Um, But I'll settle for the few that's tuned in so far. You know, maybe those who just listen regularly. I don't have any followers other than my sister. So I encourage anybody who's listening to follow me, listen to my podcast, although... Like I said many times, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not um, some major political talk show host. Yeah, I'm just me, Joe Meyer, a regular Joe, right? So welcome to this episode. And I'm thinking where the wind will take me today. I Who knows? But we'll see where that takes me. Um, as you can see, I'm listening to this music here. Um, Axel F, right? From... Beverly Hills Cop film. One of my favorite soundtracks. Um, This song particularly, it's so simple, right? Um, But it's so memorable, right? So, and the film is is memorable too, obviously. It made Eddie Murphy, you know, famous (laughs) from that point on. But, um, but, you know, let's talk. Let's let's see what we're going to talk about today, right? So today, let's see, this week, busy week, started Wednesday in my new position, and um, so far so good, everything's gone well, I know I just started there, um, but, you know, I'm looking, looking forward to what's going to take place there, hopefully I have a long, prosperous career, and meet a lot of great people there, a lot of energy People who just lift you up and who are excited that you're there compared to the last position where the people weren't even that excited I was there. You know, frankly, I don't even know if they cared or not. And I think I've said that before, you know, so getting into what's going to happen now, right? So this week I start my training. Last week was just orientation, filling out paperwork, standard things, right? Um, this week I got to meet a lot of my new coworkers, which there's two new coworkers of mine who I'll be starting with the same position, which is great. Um, many of them have different backgrounds, different ages, different ethnicities, um, but, but they're great. They're great people and I look forward to working with them and I feel we're going to get along very well, hopefully. Um, I usually have a good read on people when I first meet them and I, I don't, feel anything strange with these people I don't feel like cautious like I do with some people I feel very much like we're all trying to learn to do a great job and although we have different backgrounds different experience we're all starting at the same point together so we all have the ability to learn what's going to be taught to us and trained to us which is exciting and um, each of us will falter fall make mistakes, but um, there's a little major differences between us, you know, 
I mean, I, I came from the credit union world, you know, member services, working in a call center. Um, they are a little bit more on the technical side. Um, I do have a technical background too, but not as extensive as they are. Um, but I'm not worried. I'm just going to devote myself to learning everything that they put in front of me and I should be fine. You know, um, I'm, this job is going to be a challenge and I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, I don't want to look at it as, as challenges at a bad way, but know that I'm going to learn. Right. <clears throat> so looking forward to it. Um, so we'll see next week. Um, Next week's podcast, we'll see what else I'm going to talk about as far as my week. Um, you know, making decisions and, and meeting new people and becoming integrated within a new company is not easy for anybody. Um, it's very nerve-wracking at first. And it, it's possible to feel um, imposter syndrome. You know, feeling like you don't belong there, like you, you just can't cut it. And, you know, a lot of those feelings for many of us, we experience at first. But once we start getting into it, we start learning the job. We start really um, focusing on on what we what we can do and then also focusing on what things we need to improve on and go from there. That's really the only way we tend to learn, right? Um, like I said, I, I am not a dope. I'm not an idiot. Um, many of you who listen to me, hopefully you don't think that (laughs) and you see intellect coming from this person, somebody who has a brain. Um, so I look forward to it. But, um, one of the more interesting things is that many of my coworkers are from Oregon. Now, Oregon, for those who don't know, is a place that is in my heart all the time for whatever reason. I don't know what started this infatuation, this love for Oregon. Um, my uncle currently lives in Oregon. He lives in Beaverton and he's lived there for many years. And um, I visited him due to a job interview about five years ago. <laughs> and I found love going there. I was in Portland slash Beaverton. He kind of took me around a few, a little while. I know I didn't really have a lot of time because I was there really for an interview and I got that job and I was, I was about to move to Oregon. I was going to, but financially I was in a very bad place at that time. I, I had a lot of bills that I had debt wise. uh, And I'm not afraid to say that sometimes we, you know, debt happens. We take on too much and we still we need to pay it back and, and get back to normal again. And I was at that point in my life. Um, 2015 was a very difficult time in my life. And I'll tell you why. I was struggling financially, you know. My daughter was born in 2013. For the next couple years, although we were okay to a certain degree... We struggled. We struggled financially for those two, three years because, you know, I was the only one working, which that's what me and my wife agreed on because I wanted her to stay home with her, her daughter, take care of her, and I was willing to make the sacrifice. Um, but although it was difficult, it was well worth it 
and I'm not complaining about the fact that, you know, I had to do it. Um, I'm not complaining at all. It's just, it's a reality is that if you're going to do that, it's going to be a real sacrifice and you're going to, you know, you're going to struggle sometimes. I I was not making a lot of money back then. I'm just an average Joe, like I said. Um, so, but it's still expenses never stop with kids, right? You have food, you have diapers, you have formula. Um, you, you have a lot to, to cover. And um, at that point, um, we moved into my father's house in Los Angeles. And I, I always consider this house, you know, I, I have good feelings and bad feelings, okay? This house was, I consider, like the house of hell, okay? And it's not because my father was mean to me or anything like that. Frankly, he wasn't, he was there, but he wasn't there. <laughs> he was in his room most of the time. I just have really bad memories of this house because in 2007, I struggled with, through deep depression and anxiety. And it was just me and my dad leaving together. You know, it was after my grandfather passed away in 2003 um, he died from Alzheimer's. Um, he was a World War II vet. Um, but just those, so to speak, demons that took over while I was living there, right? And I truly believe that house is cursed. You know, there was something living there. There was an entity. I felt it. It was not a good entity. And that entity messed with my mind. It brought me down. It depressed me. It made me feel as the lowest I've ever been. And you would be wondering, like, well, why would you ever move your family into that house, right? You know, why would you put them through that? Well, it wasn't a hard, it wasn't an easy decision to do that. You know, it's just because I was struggling and I was trying to make it. And and to be honest, yeah, I, my wife could have gone to work. Most of you out there probably would have said, you know, just send your wife to work. You would have been fine, you know. Well, you know, at that point, I really didn't think of that. You know, uh, yes, I, I was like, I was so stuck on my wife not going to work at that time because I felt I wanted her to focus on our daughter, right? Right now she is working. She's working part-time, which is fine. It's perfect for us. She works in the evenings. I think it's something we she, she could have done back then. Um, but you know what? I just, I guess we didn't really look into it. We really didn't put too much effort into thinking about it. And I, we just ended up moving to my dad's house. We were there for about four years. My father, myself, my wife, our daughter, and then also her nephew, his wife, and his daughter, who had just come from El Salvador. And they needed a place to stay and no one would help them. And although I don't know these people, I, I did it for my wife. I did it because she wanted to help them. And even though they weren't even that close, we did it because we did the humane thing to do. And most people probably wouldn't have done that. I know today, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have let them go on their own. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything. Um, I just feel like it really damaged our relationship. It damaged our peace. Our, um, uh, it damaged our... Um, sanity. I don't know whatever word we can use to describe it. Um, we, we just didn't have any, um, oh, I'm just stuck on the word. What is it? What am I trying to say, Joseph? Um, 
well, it'll come to me. But um, privacy, that's the word. We didn't have any privacy anymore, right? So my, my dad's house is three bedroom. Not exactly a big house. It was pretty much everything's in pro, close proximity to each other. And it's an older house, you know, made in 1916, right? Um, and that was my grandparents' house too, you know? So he's lived there most of his life. The house, we sold it last year um, because he was going to stay with my sister here where I live in this city, where I live now with her husband. So she lives with him. He lives with them. So, but during those four years, it was tough. It was tough because I felt like I was taking care of another family who could not take care of themselves at that point. And eventually, yeah, they went to work. They made their own money. They paid their own bills. They paid rent. And they paid food. But it just wasn't the same. You know, it just was not the same. I I am not like many families. Now, although my wife is Hispanic from El Salvador, I cannot live like that. Many families like that can live like that. Like, live in many people in the house. You know, I cannot. You know? I I have to be just my wife, myself, and my daughter at the most for me to have peace in my life, to have to feel like I feel like I can be myself in my own home, you know? Um, and I know many of you out there may feel differently, like, well, what about your dad or what about your mom, you know? Um, that's what added to 2015 as an even harder year is because that's the year my mom passed away at 56 years old, right? God rest her soul. Right. My mom, you know, which is another story, but I'll give you a little bit of a tidbit or information into it. My mom, she was sick for many years. Okay. As far as I can remember, going back into my childhood, she was always had some ailment. She suffered a lot. She suffered with her weight. She suffered with um, high blood pressure. She suffered with, you know, Again, trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And I'm not saying she ate like a pig or anything. She ate decent. She ate like anybody else. But, you know, weight was a problem in her family. And it still is in our family today on different generations. You know, I am not thin. I'm not, you know, a buck 50 or anything like that, most definitely. I'm certainly not 400, um, but I, I can lose a few pounds, you know, and I want to and I'm trying. Um, but it, it's been difficult, you know, it's not easy. I, I Right now, I'm just too cautious not to go in a gym right now. You know, I really, those are, people don't trust this, but they are, you know, germ factories, you know, those places are filthy. As much as you say you can sanitize them down, you know, you, people are just there to sweat, you know, breathe heavy. And how, how can they be that sanitary? Well, you know, we didn't really think about it when, you know, be, prior to the virus of COVID-19, right? But I think deep down people know they're dirty. But we just went there thinking nothing was going to happen and, and maybe nothing will happen. Who knows, right? But now it's even worse because we have a deadly virus going around and you don't know who's there right it's just safer to be home you know if we had a vaccine yeah i could probably if something was to happen i could probably go get a vaccine 
and then you know kill the virus but we don't have that right now so why am i going to risk it and being that my mother-in-law is with us right now she's in her 70s you know i'm not going to risk that going to a gym i have a better chance just going out to the park running around you know um walking and with less people around and i could just wear a mask and it's fine um and that's what I've been doing, you know, to try to stay healthy. But I need more. I need weights. I need things that I can do it here. But our apartment's really small. Um, hopefully, we'll get something a little bit bigger soon where I can get a, some type of exercise machine, put some weights around, somewhere I could work on the patio, um, just, just somewhere, you know, somewhere better. Um, but this place has sufficed for the two years um, that we've been here. Um, it's just place to you know land our feet so to speak for now until something else came along um but 2015 going back to that year that's the year my mom died and that was also the year that i was planning to move to oregon but like i said financially it was just a tough time and i was disappointed um the other real major blow to my life is i went to school in 2015 i left my job I was going to be an electrical lineman. If any of you know what that is, it's just working on the power grid, right? Working on telephone poles, fixing telephone wires, making the big bucks, right? Um, which I got into my head while working in a, uh, my credit union because I dealt with a lot of powermen, um, linemen, I should say. It's a proper term. And I was just watching how much money they were making. And they were living the life. They were buying all the toys. They were buying the big house. They were making 200 Gs a month. Uh, not a month, I'm sorry. A year. <laughs> that would be crazy. 200,000 a month. Um, they were making 20,000 a month. You know? Who wouldn't want that money? But when I got there, it was called Northwest Lineman College in Oroville. One of the crappiest places I've ever been, to be honest with you. And, um, but I was there for school. <laughs> and um, I was there for about five weeks. And I think it's, I forget, it's like 11 weeks or 15 weeks or something like that. It's like over a little over three months. Um, and I just, it wasn't for me, you know. Talking to the instructor, he set me aside. He said, Joe... You know, I, I don't recommend this field for you. It's it's really dangerous and, and you know you know and, and part of the reason was this, okay? I'm not I'm physical but I'm not that physical, okay? So you have to climb up poles and even though there are dudes that were much bigger than me, I mean I'm talking like some dudes were like probably pushing three hundred pounds and I'm not that. Right. Um and they were climbing up the poles. But it takes a lot of physical strength to move up those poles, you know. And some of these guys were buck twenty, buck thirty, buck fifty, and they were climbing up poles like there it was nothing because yeah, they were lightweight, right? Me, I, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit on the heavier set, and um, not obese or anything in my view, but you know, I just was he I'm heavy, you know, um, and it was I I felt scared, I felt scared, and there were moments moments where i felt like i was going to fall down and, and just break my neck and, and if i had fallen off that pole i would have cracked my neck probably could have died you know um who knows right broken a leg who knows but in reality 
I was too slow. And they want you to be really fast physically. Mentally, for the classroom part, I was doing okay. I was decent. Um, but the physical part, which they trained you every single day, part classroom, part physical, you know, outside classroom, doing those things. You worked in teams. And it was hard. Yeah. And I, I, I give a lot of props to those men who do that. Some women even do it too. But it just wasn't for me. And a lot of those guys were young. I mean, they were probably like somewhere even 18 or 19 right out of high school. Um, many were in the, from the military. So they have that strength already with them. And so it was hard. And I just said, you know, I picked up. I took, I took the instructor's advice and just went home, you know. Um, try to re-begin my life again after leaving my job. And luckily something came along quickly, you know, and thank, thank God for that. Um, went to work for a credit union that my sister worked at, or worked, still is to this day. Been working there for close to 20 years. And, you, you know, even though she advised me that's probably not the best thing, family, you know, although I love my sister, is she was right. You know, family should not be working together. It's just not, it's not right. You know, even if you own a business, you know, I know family businesses exist, but even that's probably hard because you have to see your family. You have to deal with them. And although you love your kids, you love your husband, your wife, whoever you're in a business with, it's not the same. You know, it's just too much, too many different personalities. People get offended. You're too close to them. Um, and you know, although, like I said, I love my sister, I needed something to keep me going. Right. So it was thankful because everything works out for a reason. You know, God does that, you know, God does that for, for his glory and purpose. And, um, so I went into that position in the credit union and I got into projects. I was doing a lot of interesting things and fun things that I really liked marketing mortgages different things and um so that prepared me for the next position which I got let, let go of laid off and that was the one that devastated me which I got let go last November which to this day I'm still pissed off about but it created gave me the experience and the knowledge to go into this position that I'm going to go into now. So like I said, everything works out. Um, I just need to try to maintain it, you know, try to do my best as much as I can. Right. And I'll, I'll get there. I'll do it, you know. Um, but that was a tough year, 2015. Um, that was also a year that we, me and my wife broke off our friendship with a close friend who had introduced me and her that friend was very toxic from the beginning from the time I met my wife she introduced I met that friend through a work she introduced me to my current to my current and only wife um, and but she was very toxic to us she tried to break us up she tried to divide us she she basically tried to destroy our relationship and but I kept pushing for it. I didn't give up, you know, and eventually we me and my wife um, decided to get back together because I did break up. I did listen to her friend and because um, I didn't want to give up on my wife. I cared about her and I love her to this day, you know. Um, 
So it was hard. It was rocky because that was a tough relationship to let go of. And and it was hard on my wife, especially because she was friends with her first for many, many years before that. And some of you out there may say, hey, well, you know, why'd you break up? Why'd you make her break up with her friend, man? Her friend, that was her friend. Yeah, I know. But her friend was toxic. And I saw her a mile away coming as being toxic. And I, have, I feel I have great... You know, one of the areas that God blessed me with is someone who uses intuition, um, being able to um, understand somebody and see people for who they are right away. And God has never let me go wrong in the way that that gift he's provided me, you know. Um, Sometimes, you know, yeah, we're wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. I'm not. 10 on 10, you know, some people prove me wrong, um, to who they are, but, um, that friendship ended, haven't spoken to that friend in like five years since then, the last time she had ever attempted to try to contact us was when my mom died, and, uh, I didn't want to talk to her, I didn't want her condolences, I didn't want anything to do with her, so, and that was it, that was the end, that's, that's what put the nail in the coffin, so to speak, you know? Um, so, my wife talks about her f- from time to time, like she misses her. But I tell my wife that she is toxic. We don't need her in our life. We don't need also her family. My friend's, my wife's friend's family. You know, I don't consider her my friend anymore because she's not, you know? Um... My wife had a close relationship with her family, too, you know, especially since she got in this country, you know. So it was hard on my wife, you know, it really was. But I, I, we have to refocus on what was important, you know. God comes first in our life. We are a Christian family, all right. We are devoted to Him. And we're not going to let people divide us. We're not going to let people try to destroy us. Absolutely not. So, for the next five years, from 2015 until today, you know, we were living in my dad's house up until, I think, 2018. We moved out, uh, moved down here where we're at now because I had a job down here, which is the job that laid me off. And then we just stayed here. Kind of hard to go back now because my dad sold his house, you know, but so, but that's okay. Things are meant for a reason, right? That house is gone. The house of whatever lives there. Entity or something. And, and, you know, this may be on another topic, but there are things that live there in that house. Spirits. We've heard them. Physically heard them, you know? My wife says she's physically seen spirits in that house, you know? Um, they're called um, dark shadows or... That's really what they're called. You know, they're really like dark entities that you can't, they don't have faces or anything. Um, so whatever lived there. Um, but, so what does that lead me into? You know, where we're at today, right? You know, interesting things that I would like to talk about today. Um, aside from that is, you know, skinwalkers. How many of you know what skinwalkers are, right? Skinwalkers are a very interesting story, right? 
And yeah, I believe there's a movie about them by Stephen King. You know, um, let me give you a little background on skinwalkers. All right. Skinwalkers, which are in Navajo culture, and I'm reading this off Wikipedia, is a type of harmful witch that has the ability to turn in, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. The term is never used for healers. So some of the background in Navajo language. Nadolishi, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, translates by means of it, it goes on all fours, while perhaps the most common variety seen in horror fiction by non-Navajo people, um, one is several varieties. The legend of the skinwalker is not well understood outside of Navajo culture, mostly due to the reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders. Navajo people are reluctant to reveal skinwalker's lure to non-Navajos or to discuss it among those they do not trust. So and I, I can understand that, you know, um, Navajo Nation, the Navajo people, you know, why would they want to discuss skinwalkers, right? You know, it, it's, it's an evil entity. And knowing our culture today, you know, if we were allowed to know more about them, people would be going into learning about skinwalkers. And that's not what the Navajo people want. The Navajo people believe in skinwalkers they believe you should not talk about them you should not even discuss it you should not even breathe a word about them because it can bring you know a curse against them many times because you sometimes don't know if a person is a skinwalker right that's why they don't talk about it because there's skinwalkers walking among people you know and usually i believe skinwalkers change at night and some of my knowledge is interesting because I've watched certain shows like reality shows like Ghost Adventures. Um, I think um, um, Finding Bigfoot, Cliff, and Bobo, they've talked about skinwalkers. And I think they even went to Skinwalker Canyon. And I know, I definitely know that um, Ghost Adventures went there because they did a whole show about it. And it was just interesting how eerie that place is. You know, it's a beautiful land, don't get me wrong. But just kind of what happened while they're there. And, and sometimes you kind of believe it. Sometimes you're like, well, um, did they do it for show? You know, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how much of that is reality and how much of that is real. You know, you, you never know. It's television, right? You never know if, if what they're showing is really the truth or they're just trying to get a rise out of you. You know, I, I, I believe that there are spirits out there. Don't get me wrong. I believe there's a spiritual world um, because I've seen it with my own eyes. But, you know, there's things out there that we'll never see, right? You know, Bigfoot's one of those. You know, and I think with Bigfoot, there are traces, obviously, of him. There's footprints. Some even have handprints. There's hair, you know. But people have seen him. But when it comes to getting proof, yeah, that's been really lacking. You know, the um, the most definitive proof about Bigfoot, and I know this is not really a subject we're on Bigfoot right now, but, you know, the um, Patterson film, right? Um, a Bigfoot walking across the forest and a big black female Bigfoot walking. Um, 
And that tape has been studied, analyzed, and, it, and it's been authenticated, right? Um, but, you know, Bigfoot's, Bigfoot has, or Sasquatch has great awareness of how to hide its identity, hide itself. It unfortunately just got caught by that one. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, sometimes walk across a field like he, she did and not be videotaped. And many times there's been cases which have been pretty eerie where people have tried to record a Bigfoot and the tape was fuzzy or, you know, it shut off or there was just a certain weird phenomenon that was going on. That could be Bigfoot, you know, he's, he or she is a mystical creature that really doesn't want people to see or know it, you know. So, um, interesting. But there is evidence of it. And I believe that. And I hope to one day see it. <laughs> hope to be one day to be the one to catch the, the next big film of Bigfoot and people authenticate it and know and, and I'll be famous and, you know, maybe make some money off of it. But not, I would never kill a Bigfoot, just so you know that. I would never shoot a Bigfoot, never kill it. I just want to record him or her for, you know, research purposes, right? But going back to what I was saying about skinwalkers, right? Um, so Navajo witches, including skinwalkers, represent the antithesis of Navajo culture values. While community healers and cultural workers are known as medicine men and women, or by terms in local indigenous language, witches are seen as evil, obviously, right? So in their culture, I mean, they I don't believe they have a good witch and a bad witch. You know, there's bad witches. Um, our cu culture tries to believe there's good witches and bad witches out there, right? So, um, i.e., look at the film The Craft, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's a great film reference, but um, it's a film I've seen. Performing twisted ceremonies and manipulating magic in a perversion of the good works medicine people traditionally perform in order to practice the their good works, Traditional healers learn about good and evil magic. Most can handle the responsibility, but some people can become corrupt and choose to become witches, right? Animals associated with witchcraft usually include tricksters, such as the coyote, but can include other creatures. Usually these are associated with death or, or bad omens. They might, include, might also possess living animals or people and walk around their bodies by locking eyes with them. Skinwalkers may be male or female. So how would you like to learn who a skinwalker is, right? Would you like to know if one of your friends are a skinwalker? Would you like to know if your uncle's a skinwalker, your mom or dad? But, you know, in the Navajo Nation, again, it's really taboo to talk about that, you know. And it's just interesting because I've seen, like, Ghost Adventures. And that show's quite interesting. I've been watching it for quite a few years now. Um... Some many times they've gone to different um, indigenous um, Native American lands to do you know, you know their investigations, and some of the more interesting things have been on those lands, right? Things that you normally don't see in other places. Um, skinwalker stories among Navajo children maybe may be complete life and death struggles that end in either skinwalker or Navajo killing the other. Or partial encounter stories that end in a stalemate. Encounter stories may be composed of Navajo victory stories with the skinwalkers approaching a Hogan and being scared away. Now, what is a Hogan, right? So, Hogan from Navajo 
traditional dwelling of the Navajo people. Um, other traditional structures include the summer shelter, the underground home, and the sweat house, right? Interesting. Mostly due to reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders, Navajo people are reluctant to reveal skinwalkers' lure again. Um, so in order to practice... Um, let's see, going back. Sorry, I'm reading here. Um, so yeah, they, they can actually become many different things. It's not just coyotes. I think they can become wolves. They become any kind of animal like it says people crows they can fly you know um there's been some imagery about skinwalkers on you know you may see something out there there there's i did a blog about it a while ago um and there was some images well i don't know if it's made up or what but and i, I don't even know how real it was but there was something like a like a flash of light and that's said that it's when somebody turns into a skinwalker, they have a burst of light that just flashes and that's them transforming, right? So quite interesting, you know, there's um, Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is a property located on approximately 512 acres southeast of Ballard, Utah, that is reputed to be the site of paraffin paranormal and ufo related activities its name is taken from skinwalker of navajo legend concerning a vengeful shaman right so there there are things in things like popular culture um there's also a film called skinwalker ranch from 2013 um hunt for the skinwalker another film documentary um portals to hell um there's one episode, the Strawberry River Inn featured. The episode is situated a stone's throw from the ranch. Project Blue Book, Ancient Aliens, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, which is oh, it's another TV series on History Channel that was from this year. I don't think I've seen that. Um, so there's a lot of references, right? Um, what else is there? You know. Yeah, and you know, there's not, there's probably, you know, a lot of information out there. Out there, we just have to do our research. It is interesting. Some of these skinwalkers look freaky. If you ever go online and see some of them, it's just interesting to see. So again, another definition is oh, there was a obviously the skinwalker novel, um, nineteen eighty six mystery novel by. Tony Hillerman so there's there's also some films comics you know there's a lot of you know references to skinwalkers right um, and then just that how skinwalker ranch became a hotbed for paranormal activity right so there are there are certain it is my belief that there are certain areas in this country there are certain areas that have you know places like a portal where um, entities can come through can walk through you know and it, it makes it a lot easier to do that you know so you know definitely do some research on it it might be interesting to know what's out there um you know i know like i'm a bigfoot believer i do believe you know there's some truth to skinwalkers um i even believe there's probably some indication that we have ufos and other forms of life out there in space that you know 
people don't really like to talk about it um, because people think you're crazy. You know, I I I half halfly joke sometimes when I say I'm a Bigfoot and believer, and that's one of the things that, in a way, I joke. Um, but I'm serious. It's just that you know there is that stigma that when you tell people you believe in that paranormal type thing, they think you're nuts. They're like, yeah, you're crazy. And that's why in like finding Bigfoot, for instance, there are literally people that, you know, they're, they're willing to tell their testimony and talk about it, but maybe their face is blanked out or their body's cut off. Like you can't really see who they are, but I'm sure the people that live around there know who they are. You know, you can just tell, right? Oh, we're, you know, or their voice, right? That's why people have to disguise their voice if they have a very unique voice, right? I, I think people would know that my voice <laughs> i think i would need to have my voice blocked out or or um changed you know so um but interesting you know um i'm not ashamed to say i believe in those things i don't think we should be you know i i'm one of those people that believes obviously in jesus which i believe is real he's a, he was a real man some people have tried to say that he wasn't, that he's a myth, and those are non-Christian people, okay, by a chance. But Jesus Christ was an actual man who was crucified on the cross, right, for our sins. And he was man and God, but he was God ultimately. But it's not a far-fetched, if I believe in Jesus, to believe in other things that I have not seen because obviously have we seen Jesus physically no we believe because we know he existed we know there's history about him we know his power we know uh, the life he lived based on the Bible you know um, we know there's a lot of books out there that people try to write about Jesus and his life but as I've always been told by pastors that I trust don't believe those books they're fictional. And yeah, people try to say, you know, I've been to heaven, I've seen heaven. You know, there's only been very few people that's ever seen heaven. And, and those people are in the Bible, but even they don't say much of what they see, right? Because it's like God wants to preserve what heaven looks like. And, and really, would, we, would, we even, would he even be able to tell us what heaven looks like? Would we even believe it, you know? What, one of the things, one of the scriptures he says is, in my house there are many mansions, right? Mansions, right? That I go prepare a place for you, right? So imagine one day when I, and I'm a Christian, I believe, that when I die one day, that I'm going to have a mansion one day, right? Because there's going to be so much space. Every, every Christian believer is going to have a mansion. Every follower of Christ. No one's going to have a little shack. The streets are going to be paved with gold. It's going to be paradise, right? And I wouldn't, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to ever go there, non-believers, right? It's because the people many times that they listen to are not the best examples of talking about Christ, right? They are very poor examples of Christ, talking about them, I mean. You know, many times people listen to, you know, not good sources, you know, and they don't have the best impression. And I'm not saying Jesus has to make an impression on us, 
That's not his job. But we are here, the people that are here today who represent Jesus need to represent him correctly, right? And I'll give you an example in the Bible, okay? One of the clearest examples is when Moses was taking his people, the Jewish people, through the wilderness, right? And they were bickering, complaining, and they were, you know, they were hot and smelly and they're hungry and, and they want to water and, and, and they ask for water. And, and Moses got so frustrated and angry and you could get water out of a rock, right? <laughs> he kicked the rock. He kicked it angrily. And so that angered God because that kick to that rock misrepresented God. Because what did the people think when Moses kicked that rock? Oh, God's angry. And God said, I'm not angry. But Moses, you, you misrepresented me. And so now you must go. And so he was no longer able to go into the promised land. Right? Um, and so we as people sometimes misrepresent God. We misrepresent him as angry, hateful. Oh, why is God doing this to us, right? And that's the big problem, see? We, we, we have to remember that we live in a fallen world. That this is not God's world. I mean, God, God is our creator. But this is, this, this is the devil's world right now, right? He's, the devil right now is, has power here. He's the one who's doing things to try to destroy us. And take our souls, right? That's what he wants ultimately. If we die and we don't give our lives to Christ, where do we go? We go to we go to hell, right? And that's a very controversial statement to people because people don't want to believe that. People, I lose people when you talk about that. Like, oh well, I guess I'm going to hell then, right? And, and some people are rude and say, oh, well, I guess you are. I guess you are going to hell. Well, you know that's not the right approach either. Okay, we should not tell people they're going to hell. Although it is truthful to a certain degree, right? It is, I'm not saying too certain, it is truthful. But there are ways to tell people and be, and be followers in Christ and represent Christ in the right way as being loving, as being kind, as being generous, as being someone who loves us and died for us, right? That's the right message. But see, people have the wrong impression of Jesus. They make him out to seem hateful. When deep down, Jesus loves all of us, every single one of us, despite our faults, despite our failures, he loves every one of us. You know, it's just that Jesus doesn't want us to sin. He doesn't want us living in sin. And that goes for all of us. It doesn't mean if you're homosexual, bisexual, transgender, you know, whatever. He's all, you're all special to Jesus. He loves you each and every one of you by yourself. But you know, He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to devote your life to Jesus. And that's what some people are unwilling to do. They don't want to devote their life to Jesus. Because, again, they have the impression that God is hateful. And people are unwilling to give up their lifestyles. Unwilling to give up sin, right? And that's hard for people. I'm not. I'm not saying it isn't. You know. I. You know. That's the thing in our country, is that there's so much hate towards those that are different. You know, we we live in a world where yes, we live in a fallen world, 
We live with people who struggle every day, who die every day, and have no place to go but hell. When they should have gone to heaven, and that's what Jesus wants, you know, for all of us. But we are unwilling to accept Jesus for what he did for us, right? Because people don't want to change. People don't understand the power of God and what he has for us. And now he's watching over each of us. He's thinking about us, even when we don't think about him. Even when we curse God, um, he thinks about us. It breaks his heart, but he thinks about us. He knows every hair strand on our head, all right? Everything about us. He sees us at all times, right? He loves us. He created us. But when people don't believe that, you know, God has to go other routes for people to believe in him, right? He has to make certain things happen in our life before we'll hopefully believe. Some people never believe. Some people fight that belief, fight to know Jesus, you know, and it's hard. We all have to make sacrifices in our life. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to make changes, right? We have to. We have to almost deny ourselves. And I should say that we have to deny ourselves certain things, right? So example, you know. If you're living a sinful lifestyle, you know, fornication, for instance, you know, you have to give that up if you want to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying if you follow him and you do that, you're not going to heaven because once you give your life to Christ, it's forever. But I will say this. It makes him very heartbroken when he sees us going through those things when we've given our life to Christ, when he's deep down saying, Hey, Joseph, I understand you're flawed. You make mistakes and I love you, but you need to get back and change. You need to get better. You need to forgive, get rid of that sin in your life. You know, we're not going to be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. You know, if anybody ever says that God was not perfect, they're liars. Don't believe them because Jesus was perfect. He's the perfect man, right? He is sinless. And that's the big thing that many people don't want to believe. Oh, well, I'm sure he sinned. Yeah, I'm sure he did things. No, he didn't. He was sinless. He was the perfect lamb. And that's why he was slaughtered. And if you know anything about biblical times, whenever you did a sacrifice to God, it had to be unblemished. Unblemished. There could not be anything wrong with it. It had to be perfect. Right? So I don't know. We got off topic a little bit, <laughs> you know, and it's okay because anytime we talk about the Lord, you know, that's perfectly okay. You know, we should all be having a discussion about Jesus, religion, our faith, you know, but I know it's kind of go, it doesn't go really hand in hand with talking about skinwalkers here. Now, skinwalkers, you know, doing some more research, just trying to see what else is out there. Uh, I don't know. There's not. See, that's why I was saying there's not too much that's out there about skinwalkers, right? There are photos out there. There are things out there. I was trying to look on YouTube. <laughs> um, 
and there's videos out there, but who, who knows, right? Oh, let's see this one. 10, 15 terrifying facts about Skinwalker's legends. And I think this was with a blog that I looked into before. And there's a, a very gruesome picture on there. Skinwalkers, evil shapeshifters, are a mainstay in Navajo tradition and legend. Although the Navajo tend to keep their culture to themselves and indeed consider it dangerous to speak openly about the mythical creatures with outsiders, some of the eeriest facts about skinwalkers have managed to creep out into the culture at large. So here's some facts. Skinwalkers are actually known as witches in Navajo culture, which we know that. Two, yeah, they want their face. Some traditions suggest they'll steal your very skin. Skinwalkers can transform into any kind of animal, including you. Fact three. Don't even think about looking at a skinwalker in the eyes. That's how they absorb themselves in your body and then control your every move. The Navajo tribe is notorious for not talking about skinwalkers to outsiders. They are frightened of supernatural repercussions It, if there's too much discussion. Fact five. They're, though it's scary to think of them as human, skinwalkers are most seen most frequently as wolves, coyotes, foxes, eagles, owls, crows. Be careful the next time you stare down a wolf. Right. Six, there's a ranch in Utah called Skinwalker Ranch, right, which I discussed. The word for skinwalkers in Navajo is yi na do shi. The word translates in he who walks on all fours, which I mentioned. Eight, skinwalkers can run far greater distances than normal people. They're said to be able to run up to 200 for 200 miles at a time. Wow. Fact nine, stay away from graveyards. Skinwalkers like to hang out there while they dig, dig up graves quickly. Graves quickly. Fact ten, but they dig up. But why do they dig up graves? Some skinwalkers can take the powder from corpses and then use the dust as poison on their victims. Fact 11. When they're not transformed into animals, witnesses have described skinwalkers as hollowed out, creatures that look like dogs, like little look a little like dogs. Skinwalkers aren't allowed to enter a home unless invited. It's common decency, people. 13. So you want to become a skinwalker. There are many different theories on how they become one, but the most prevalent speaks of an Official ceremony where people become skinwalkers through gathering with specific charms and chants. 14. One of the ritual acts to become a skinwalker involves killing and then eating someone close to them. By performing this act, the soon-to-be skinwalkers lose any humanity left in them. Beware, once you're a skinwalker, you cannot undo it. 15. If you can get past their endurance, shape-shifting abilities, and po possible coven, it said that you can kill a skinwalker by calling them by their true pre-skinwalker name. Right? So very interesting. So this one, where did I see this? So I'd like to give to the source, right? It's called The Lineup. And it was by uh, Grazia Rutherford Swan. So definitely if you want to learn more about it, you know, there are, I, you can look it up on Google, right? Um... Then I also see one on Thought Catalog, which I think I'm even a um, someone who actually um, is part of their 
reserves their podcasts, who's a follower. Um, some of it's the same. Yeah, I think it's the same information, but I would say I would say check it out. You know, interesting, interesting things. And then there's one on here. Get, uh, J.K. Rowling embraces skinwalkers. And then this one says, um, Native Americans slam her for lies and mis- con- misconceptions. J.K. Rowling's new story has kicked up some controversy. I don't know how old this is. Oh, it's January 2019. Um, on her Potterville website called History of Magic in North America. Involves around the 18th century president of Magical Congress of the United States in um, instituting total segregation of the wizardry and non-maj communities. But early in there, it reads like Cyclopedia of Early American, Early Native American Legends. So there's a lot of you know references out there. You know, I don't know what you believe. You know, I think it's interesting to believe in those and. There are people who really faithfully believe in things like UFOs. There's also things called like the Dogman. Um, what else is there? The Chupacabra, you know. Um, things that people, you know, are not fully willing to embrace just yet, you know. Uh, I think it's important to keep an open mind about those things. Um, and as you can see, I'm not nuts. I'm not crazy. I'm. I'm I feel I'm a very logical thinker when it comes to things like that i think it's important that we uh, um that don't that we don't sound eccentric like we, we just sound crazy and there's nothing wrong with understanding the subject and doing more research and that's really how you're going to learn right um nothing wrong with that i think there needs to be more studies on it you know, there's all, oh, another one is Nessie, right? Lockless monster, Lockness monster, right? In Ireland or Scotland, I forget which place it is. Um, but I think we should all keep an open mind, you know. Definitely, as a Christian, we should all, you know, get to know God, you know, have a faith in Him, Right? I know each of us has our own faith systems, our own religions. There's things like Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of religions out there. But do all of them give you the opportunity to have a relationship with your God? Some do not. Some have many gods. You know, you think about um, Greek mythology culture, right? Um, Greek mythology, excuse me. And they had many gods, right? God of war, God of sex, God of weather, whatever, you know? Um, so they all had different gods that they prayed to, right? And even there were references to, you know, back then, there were references to Jesus. You know, Islam, another religion, right? Um, some may argue, well, hey, you know what? Why is yours so special, right? Because it's the only one that you can have a relationship with Jesus that matters, right? And people don't want to believe, well, you know, they they think it sounds crazy. Well, why is Jesus the only way to get into heaven? You know, because he is, right? And people don't want to believe, right? And I can't force people to believe, you know? 
You're going to believe because you want to believe, right? I can only talk to you about it. I can only interest you in who Jesus is. And then you have to do the research yourself. You have to understand and want to give your life to him, right? But again, I'm, I'm not trying to make this whole discussion about Jesus. It's merely about skinwalkers. It was about Bigfoot. Um, keeping an open mind and understanding the importance of that, right? You know, so where do we go today, right? Well, it's Sunday night, ready to start the week again. This is going to be a full week in my new job. A lot of training happening. Got to get an early start. So hopefully each of you who are working, um, appreciate and be grateful for the jobs that you have. For those of you out there who are looking for work, you know, don't give up. Keep pushing, keep applying, and that position will come to you. Be faithful in that, right? Know that it will happen. Don't give up on yourself. Have, don't give up on your mental health or your physical health as well. You know, when I was, you know, unemployed in November, it's hard for anybody to do that because you feel kind of useless, feel like well, what am I going to do now what, is somebody, who's going to give me a chance now right you will get your chance and just don't give up learn something I recommend uh, Udemy and it's a great source to learn new skills right now I'm, you, I'm trying to learn web development right trying to anyways you know um, it just takes time and um and it's not like I, I take this class and it's like 30 hours. And it's not like I'm going to be able to do eight hours every day. I mean, you could, but I don't recommend it. It's it's not the way to learn. You know, I think if you're going to take a class on Udemy, you know, maybe do an hour a day, you know, or an hour every few days. You don't have to do it every single day because you need your mind to kind of understand and piece together what you're doing, right? And that's why I don't do it every single day. I do try to write every day and I do try to edit my book as much as I can. I do have a lot of distractions. You know, I love my daughter, but she does distract me sometimes because she has her friends who are on her phone calls, you know, um, running around. I don't have an office to work solely. So I have to try to get it done. And I, I again, I, I question my work because... You know, some, many writers, many of them have an extra bedroom they don't, they just work in and they have peace and quiet. I don't have that. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying I don't have it. You know, hopefully one day I will. It would be nice to have it. Um, and then maybe the quality of my work in my book will get better. You know, I can't just write my book all hours of the day. Some people can spend a whole weekend and they have family and they're like, well, my family just left me alone and I'm just going to work on my book. Yeah, I, I can't do that. You know, I don't want to neglect my family. And I'm not saying those who do it do. Everybody's different. Everybody lives different lives. You know, my daughter's seven. She expects me to play with her. You know, and I want to play with her, of course. Um, she expects me to, you know, love on her and be there for her. And I need to do that. You know, I can't just go bury myself in a room and for eight hours and forget about the family. I can't do it. So the book will get done. 
I've edited it. I'm editing it. I'm on, I think it's on, I'm on page 300 of like 435 pages or something. So I'm more than halfway done editing. And then I have to go back again and read it over and over and over and over. And um, read it until I perfect it. And then eventually I can hopefully I'll self-publish or, you know, a query. and Which is basically just sending my work um, of, of interest to publishers and see if they have interest. And then maybe they want to publish it. You know, so we'll see. That would be awesome. You know, I'm not giving up on that. I'm not. Even if it takes me years to write that first book, I'm going to do it. I am going to do it and um, get it done. I'm determined to do that. Um, but other than that, everybody, so I, let, let's see what song we're going to play today. Because I always find it interesting and see what songs. Now, this artist, some of you may not like, but I, I've always liked them. But let's see who, who, if you can know who this is. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's said? This is where I grew up. I think the prison owner fixed it up. I never knew we ever went without. The second floor is hot for sneaking out And this is where I went to school Most of the time I had better things to do Criminal record says I broke him twice I must have done it half a dozen times I wonder if it's too late Should I go back and try to graduate? Life's better now than it was back then If I was them I wouldn't let me Now, some may question Nickelback as being true artists, but I like them. They have some catchy tunes. I mean, they're obviously not U2 or, you know, the Rolling Stones or anything, but they're still decent. And um, I've been I've been listening to them for years, you know. They they, they have a, a very certain significance to my life and the, the songs that they've written and sang. And, I, you know, I mean, I've never been to a concert, but I'll listen to them from my iPod or whatever, you know, my phone um but you know just who i am a little piece of who i am right um so we made it to another episode of just talk with joe meyer i'm thankful for each of you who've joined me today hopefully you learned something and you know as always please continue to you know reach out to me if you like you know (laughs) if you find i'm important i'm in apple itunes or apple ipods I also have a blog, josephmeyercreatives.com, so you can find me there. I'm also on Twitter, Joseph R. Meyer, and I'm also on Facebook, I believe Joseph R. Meyer as well. So um, find me, find me, and um, reach out to me and tell me what you think and how I can improve my podcast and what subjects you'd like to hear about more. And even if you'd like to join a podcast, I would be awesome to have a listener's do a live show with me and call in and we could talk about things, you know, I would love it. I love it. 
So once again, thank you for everyone joining me, and I look forward to he- talking to you all next week. If if I can do more than one, that's awesome. If I can't, but until next time, everybody, have a great day and great night. And this is with Just Talk with Joe Meyer. <laughs>